The question of today was, what is on your bucket list? And some of you didn't know what a bucket list is, so I'm going to help you out, okay? A bucket list, raise your hand if you don't know what a bucket list is. It's okay if you don't know, if you've never heard that term. Maybe, well, just to make sure we're all on the same page, okay? A bucket list means the things that you would like to do before you kick the... (laughs) Things that you would like to do before you kick the bucket. And so what is on your bucket list means what are the things that you would like to accomplish in life before you're gone, right? And so I'll tell you a couple of mine, okay? A couple of things on my bucket list. Um, One is I would like to visit uh, my motherland. I would like to go to Scotland. I would like, this is my best Scottish accent. I'd like to go see my people. You know, <laughs> I don't know, it's a terrible accent, but you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, I'm Scottish. Like, that's my heritage. I want to go to Scotland. I want to go to England someday and see uh, how they lived as peasants and see the castles and all that stuff too. Someday, because I'm pretty sure my folk were, were peasants, okay? But I want to go to England. I want to go to Scotland. I would love to someday uh, go to Israel. I would love to tour and go around to all of the places that are mentioned in the scripture and see it in person, you know, get to be there. Um, I would love to go to Greece and Italy. I'd love to travel that whole part of the world. Um, I was talking with someone earlier, uh, Jared actually, Jared is here, and he said he wants to, I'm going to, if I go west, he wants to go east. He said he wants to go to Japan. That's on his bucket list. Some other things on my bucket list, I would love to design and build my own house. You probably didn't know that about me, but I used to want to be an architect back in the day before God called me to ministry. (laughs) I was like, okay, interesting. Different kind of a call, but yeah. Design and build a house. I'd love to do, yeah, building a different kind of house now. Amen to that, sister. Amen to that. Another thing on my bucket list is that I would like to perform in a musical on stage. I actually did that. I know, isn't that cool? That was on my bucket list, and I've checked that one off. Um, I haven't been to uh, England or Scotland. I haven't built my own house, but I have performed in a musical, uh, which felt like a huge goal for me. I got to do that earlier this year. So what's on your bucket list? What are the things that you want to do or accomplish before you die? And I, when I think about that question, and probably when you think about that question, it can be a little intimidating because you can think, man, I'm probably never going to do all of that. And you know, you might accomplish some of it, right? And there are things like, I, I accomplished one thing on my bucket list. It probably wasn't like the hardest thing to do, but... You know, if, we're, if we think about it, we will probably never finish everything on our bucket list. We'll never probably finish everything on our bucket list. I mean, I even have a hard time accomplishing smaller goals, right? Like, like losing weight, uh, like finishing remodeling my bathroom, which is still not finished. <laughs> Can y'all relate to that? projects that are still ongoing, they're not finished, like you haven't been able to finish the thing, much less my bucket list, right? Like it's just my day-to-day list that I struggle with, right? It's my day-to-day list. It's like finishing my homework in time, right? Getting the work done, getting the essay finished, right? Getting that essay finished. We were talking about writing essays earlier um, during the coffee time. 
getting it finished. And, and so because of this, because we have such a hard time uh, with, our, with our smaller goals, much less our bigger goals, it leads to all kinds of frustration in life, right? It leads to disappointment. It leads to sadness, to real deep disappointment and sadness. It can, it can lead to a sense of failure. Like, I haven't done what I wanted to do. I haven't done what I even set out to do. I haven't done the simple things that, 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 that are like the, the easy things to do. I haven't even done that. Maybe it's just me. And when we start to look around and we start to compare ourselves to others, and, we, and it seems like she's getting it done, he's reaching his dreams, and don't get me started on social media, right? Because on social media, we, we tend to put our perfected selves out there, right? We put only the good, only the smiles, only, we edit out everything else, and we, we only put the good on social media, and it's destructive to our hearts because now we're not just comparing ourselves to what we see around us, but we're comparing ourselves to some ideal that doesn't even exist. Everybody fails to finish everything on their list. Everybody. We are, that's one thing the Bible teaches, that we, are, we all fall short of the glory of God. Everyone, we, we fall short of our own goals, much less God's goals for us. Nobody completes their bucket list. Nobody dies without some regret. And if you think you're going to get there, if you think you're going to get to that day and you're going to die and have no regrets, you're kidding yourself because you're not going to reach it. Why? Because you're human. Because you're human. Because you're fallen. Because you're not what you were created to be, and neither am I. Nobody dies without some regrets. Nobody finishes everything on their bucket list. But brothers and sisters, boys and girls, I have good news for you today. And you know what it is? God finishes everything on his bucket list. God finishes everything on his bucket list. Look with me at Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. The apostle Paul is in prison. I don't think that was on his bucket list. And he's writing to a church that was struggling, small church in a town called Philippi. And he wrote these words in verses 6 through 8. And he says this. He says, I am sure of this. Another translation says, I'm confident of this. That he who began a good work in you will bring it to what? Completion at the day of Christ Jesus. He says, I am sure of this. I am confident in this. That he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Christ Jesus. And then he says, it's right for me to feel this way about you. Because I hold you in my heart, for you are all partakers with me of God's grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and the confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. Listen, this is good news. God is going to finish what he started. God is going to finish what he started. Who's going to finish what he started? 
Raise your hand if you're going to finish what you started. God is going to finish what he started. And you know, God's bucket list for you, you might wonder, what is that? What is God's bucket list for me, right? Is it going to Europe? Uh, is it singing in a musical? Is it finishing the bathroom? Uh, just so we're clear, finishing, renovating the bathroom. <laughs> Hopefully we get to finish the bathroom, but finishing, renovating the bathroom. But what is God's bucket list for us? What is it? Let's look back. We have to go back a few verses, okay? We have to go back into the context a little bit. Look at verse 1. It, it's, it's all wrapped up in this one little phrase where he introduces he, 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 who he's writing to, and he calls them saints in Christ Jesus in verse 1. He's, he, he's addressing them as saints. And what does that mean? It means holy people. It means people who are set apart for God. People who are set apart for God. People who are made right. People who are holy. And so God's bucket list for you, here it is, that you would be holy. It's a pretty short list. God's bucket list for you and me is that we would be saints in Christ Jesus. That we would be saints, holy people, set apart, that you would be set apart for God in your school, in your household, in your neighborhood. You would be set apart for God. You would be holy. God, God wants, his bucket list is that you would be righteous and good, that you would be full to the top of love, that you would be restored to the image that he created you for that you would be able to experience the fullness of what God intended for you, that you would be full of kindness, full of justice and truth and mercy and patience and self-control and all the good things that God created and all the good things that God is, he wants that for you. And, and if I could sum it up in one word, it's to be a saint. God wants us, his bucket list for you and me is to be a saint. A saint. And there's this very important phrase, isn't there, in Christ Jesus, to be a saint in Christ Jesus. Notice, Paul doesn't address them as those who will one day be saints, right? He doesn't say, uh, this is written to people who might, if they try hard enough, will one day be saints. But what does he address them as? Saints, right? They're already, they're already saints. Okay, now how do we make sense of this? He, he wants us to be holy, but we're already holy, God wants us to be set apart, but we're already set apart. God wants us to be righteous, but we're already righteous. How do we make sense of this? And we have to really go back to verse 6 and really break this down. Because we're really going to focus in on verse 6, and I want to break it down for us, okay? And here it is. There's three main parts to this one phrase in verse 6 where he says, And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Christ Jesus. And here's the three parts. The three parts are that it has a beginning, it has a middle, and it has an end. The beginning, what God began in you, y'all see that? What God, you see that? What God began in you, what God is now bringing about, you see the word bringing? He will bring it, he's bringing it. He's bringing it about, it's happening now. And then the third part is the day of Christ Jesus. 
at the day of Christ Jesus, which is referring to the end of days, referring to the final judgment, referring to the resurrection, the final resurrection. Because the story has a beginning and a middle and an end. What he began, what he's doing, and what he will do one day. There's three parts to it. You'll see that? It's right there in verse 6. And now in theology, I'm going to give you some terms. I want you to write these down, okay? This is like, if I only ever teach you three theology terms, these are the three terms. Okay, you ready? The first one is justification. J-U-S-T-I-F-I-C-A-T-I-O-N. Justification, just like it sounds. Justification. The second word is, that's the beginning. That's what he began. Okay, justification is what he began. What he's doing now is sanctification. S-A-N-T-I-F-I-C-A-T-I-O-N. Sanctification. Did I spell it wrong? Anyway, y'all know how to spell it. Sanctification. If you don't, just put sanctification. Sanctification. And the third one, that's what he's doing. And then what is he going to do? That word, that theological word is glorification. Glorification. G-L-O-R. I'm going to look at it. G-L-O-R-I-F-I-C-A-T-I-O-N. Okay? Justification. What did he start? Sanctification. What is he doing? Glorification. How's he going to end? Y'all got that? It's the beginning, the middle, and the end. It's all in verse 6. It's all right there in verse 6. Now, All of this, justification, sanctification, and glorification are all a work of God. Who is the subject of verse 6? And I am sure of this, that He who began a good work in you, right? So all of this from beginning to end, justification, sanctification, glorification, the beginning, the middle, and the end, it's all God's work. Okay, that's good news, right? Because we know that we don't finish our bucket list, right? Like we don't accomplish our goals. And so God says, that's okay, I do. God says, that's okay, I will, right? So God is going to finish what he started. He will. He's going to finish what he started through justification, sanctification, and glorification. Or you might think of it as the beginning, the middle, and the end. And all of this is a, all of this is God's grace, All of this is the undeserved gift of God. All of this is for people who do not deserve it. All all of this, all that God is doing to, to make us holy people is for people who ain't holy. Okay, the only reason you're sitting here today, I hope, is that you know you're not holy. Is that you know that you're a sinner. You know that you blow it. You know that you do not keep God's law. You know that you don't even keep your own law. Like you put laws on yourself and you don't keep them. Right? You don't obey your parents. You don't obey the governing authorities. You don't obey God. We're all sinners, right? We're all sinners, and we all need God's what? Grace. We all need God's grace. And God says from beginning to end, I'm going to make you saints, and I'm going to do it by my grace. And see, justification, I'm going to break each of these down. Justification, where he began the good work. He began the good work by, by, by an act. It's, one, it's an act of justification. It's like the judge saying, not guilty. Okay, that's what it's like. It's like the judge saying, not guilty. I'm not going to hold your sins against you. But instead of that, I'm going to grant you all of the goodness of Jesus. And I'm going to give it to you. I'm going to drop it into your account. I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to drop all of the riches of Christ, all of the riches of his goodness and his life that he lived on the earth, that he actually lived. I'm going to drop it into your account. 
That is justification. That's how we begin. And y'all, that's getting saved. That's the message that the Gideons teach, right? They teach God's salvation by grace alone, by faith alone, that all you have to do is trust Jesus, right? It's by his grace alone. But here's the problem. We think that once we get saved, that we begin this work that God, okay, God begins the work. Now it's up to me, right? Now I got to take it. Now I got to run with it. Now I got to do it. Now I got to focus. And there's some truth to that, right? Because, because God doesn't just, we're not just robots. <laughs> we don't just, you know, operate without a will. But what God does is he gives us a new will. He gives us, he says, he gives us a new heart. He gives us a new heart, and so he sanctifies us, which means that he takes out the heart of stone and puts in a heart of flesh, and he gives us a new desire. He gives us a new want to, so that, so that the things that we used to want to do, we don't want to do them anymore, but we want to please our Father in heaven. And what is that? It is a work of God's grace. It is a work of God's grace in us that we would get saved what God began, right? What God began, he who began a good work in you will bring it. And so God is bringing it. He's bringing it in your life. And you know what he's doing? He's using the circumstances of your life today to bring it. He's using the circumstances of your life. Look, your life circumstances are out of your control. You think they're in your control, but you know they're really not. But sometimes we live like they're in our control. Like as if we could control anything, but they're out of our control. But the good news is they're in God's control and he's laid out your whole life. Your life could end when you walk out the store today, right? We, we never know. The stories were wonderful today. We never know when the end of our life is going to be. We never know when the mind is going to explode. We never know when any of that is going to happen, when the car is going to swerve off the road, right? We just don't know. But what we do know is that every moment of every day, God His bucket list for you is that you would be saints. That in the process that he is working his holiness into you. And don't get it twisted. It's not your holiness. It's his holiness. He's working Jesus' character into your character. He's working Jesus' goodness into your goodness. And all of that is a work of his grace. By God's grace, we are becoming what we already are. Write that down. By God's grace, we are becoming what we already are. We are justified. And and listen, this is is really important. You will never be more righteous than you are right now in Christ. You will never be more righteous. If you die today, you will stand before God Christian. This is Christians, okay? There, There is a caveat, right? It's by faith. It's not a work, it's by faith. But for Christians, for you who trust in him, listen, if you die today, you will stand before God and God will say, well done my good and faithful servant. The devil will stand there and accuse you, but but what about this, but what about that, but what about this, but what about that? And and Jesus is like, nah, we're good. It's paid for, it's settled justified, right? So, so you will never become more righteous than you are right now, and yet God's grace is not done with you. God's grace is working it out in your life so that you're progressing, you're becoming more and more like Jesus. You're becoming more and more like him, and that work, that's the fruit, right? That's the fruit that God's working in your life. We think about the fruit of the Spirit. 
You're being sanctified. And not only is that the work that God is doing, but God is, is taking us somewhere. And where he's taking us is to glory, amen? God, oh, happy day, right? Oh, happy day. He's taking us to glory. And what, what is glory? Glory is not pie in the sky. It's not wishful thinking. But what God is doing is God is going to uh, take this broken world that is stained by sin, and he is going to renew it. He is going to make all things new. And he is going to, to transform this world into a new heavens and a new earth. Heaven is not a disembodied, you know, just floating around angel wings. No, that's not heaven. That's nowhere in the Bible. Heaven is described as a physical place. A physical place. It's a new physicality. Jesus rose from the dead in a body. A new body. A body that could transcend time and space. Right? Like a crazy new body, but a body that they could feel and touch and that could eat fish. That was one of his signs that he was like, hey, y'all having a fish fry. Jesus ate fish, right? Y'all, y'all would do the same thing. Let's, you know, we've, we're, in, we're from Orangeburg. We, we, do, we do fish fries, right? Catfish, probably. What do y'all like? I had grouper yesterday. It was amazing. I'm getting distracted. Gee, I wonder what kind of fish Jesus ate. But, he, but here's the thing. Glorification, y'all, glor- glorification means that in this life we will never be perfectly, perfectly perfect. Okay, listen, there are some teachers out there that will tell you that you got to be perfect, that you have to be perfect in this life, and that you could be perfect in this life. But the reality is, no, we're, we will never fully experience holiness until glorification. And that's what he says right here. He says, I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you, justification, will bring it, sanctification, to completion at the day of Christ Jesus. So there is a day, the day of Christ Jesus, the day where, uh, where, where, where Jesus will judge the world and where we will be declared finally not guilty where we will experience our salvation to the fullest. Look, we get little glimpses and peeks at it now, but in glory, we will experience it forever. And in that day, there will be no more death. There will be no more possibility of sin even. There will be no more sorrow, no more sadness, but we will be able to enjoy God forever and ever together. And we will be able to explore the new heavens and the new earth, which I think will be fairly limitless going on into eternity. I mean, just look at the stars, y'all. We have a little picture of glory right there. I mean, you cannot even conceive of how vast this universe is. And we know this universe had a beginning. And we know, science tells us, this universe will have an end. Facts, right? Those are facts. But God is saying, I'm going to renew all of it. I'm going to renew all of it. So there's going to be a new beginning with with no end. That's glorification. Justification, what he started. Sanctification, what he's doing. Glorification, where it's heading. God is going to finish what he started. God finishes everything on his bucket list, and what's his bucket list for us? It's that we would be saints in Christ Jesus. That we would be saints in Christ Jesus. So, What difference does this make in our lives? I have three quick applications for us today. 
Three quick applications for us today. So what? God is going to finish what he started. What difference does that make in, our, in my life? What difference? And I want you to be thinking about this for, for house church tonight so that we can discuss more about this. What difference does it make? Here we go. Number one, confidence. Look at the beginning of verse 6. The Apostle Paul says, I am confident. I am sure of this. And so when we, and we may not be self-confident, or we may have varying degrees of self-confidence because we know we've never done quite what we always set out to do. So we may not have self-confidence, but we can have God-confidence. We can have confidence that He is going to finish what He started. If you focus on your bucket list, you will be empty. If you focus on your bucket list, you will be empty. But in Christ, you will never be judged by how many things are left on your bucket list at the end of your life. In Christ, you will never be judged for what is left on your list or what you left undone in this life. In Christ, there are no regrets. In Christ, there are no regrets. In Christ, His grace covers it all. It covers it all, brothers and sisters. Grace is the beginning and the middle and the end of the Christian life. And because of that, we can have confidence. And you know, we should, we should bring this confidence to each other. But here's what we tend to do. We tend to say, oh, you got this, girl. Uh, you got this. Isn't that how we tend to encourage each other? We tend to say, you got this. Come on, you, you got this. Just stick in there. You got this. But what is that? That's pointing people the wrong direction, right? That's pointing people to themselves. But what does Paul do? What does God want us to do? God wants us to say, you know what? I'm confident of this. He who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion, right? He who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion. We need to point people to the one who actually does keep his bucket list. Because we need to be able to say, look, I know you're struggling to do your homework right now. I know you're struggling to love your brother or your sister right now. I know you're struggling to love your mom. And that, that could apply to any of us, amen? My mom's listening. I'm not, I'm not talking about our relationship, okay. But if our confidence is in what God has said, that he will finish what he started, right? He will finish what he started. He will make you holy. He will set you apart. He will bring more and more goodness and righteousness and love into your life. And it will get expressed to others. Then we, can, we should have that confidence as we interact with each other, as we speak to each other. Speaking life doesn't mean saying, you got this. It means saying, God's got this. God is going to finish what he started, so be confident. Secondly, we can be faithful. Uh, Look at verse 7. Paul describes the faithfulness of the church at Philippi, and he says, it is right for me to feel this way about y'all, and that word is y'all, because I hold y'all in my heart, for y'all are partakers with me of God's grace both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. We are 
partakers with one another of God's grace. And that word partaker is the same root word as the word we had last week, which is the word fellowship. Can y'all believe that? It's the same word, and it means we share it. We share in God's grace. Remember I talked last week about the leveling of the gospel and how it brings us all to the same plane. That is what he's saying. He's saying we share, we are all partakers of God's grace. It means that we share the undeserved kindness and generosity of God. It is God's faithfulness that empowers your faithfulness. It is God's faithfulness that empowers your faithfulness. And God does invite us to be faithful, to to encourage and support one another, to, to make a decision to stay, to make a decision to be faithful. Why? Because God has made a decision to be faithful to you. And so you can be faithful to one another. It's why we, it's why we have membership in our church. Not because we're some club, but because God calls us to be faithful to one another, to really love each other like that, to have a committed relationship. Faithfulness is an outworking of God's faithfulness. It's a mutual commitment. Look, Paul says, you have been faithful to me even when I was in prison. And he could not say that about everybody. (laughs) Because look, when the guy who brought you the gospel ends up in jail, you're probably tempted to say, well, maybe he wasn't right. Right? Maybe this gospel is not quite what, you know, this, maybe, maybe I'm not going to live my best life now. And so maybe I will forget him, right? Forget what is happening. But, but Paul says, no, you were faithful even in my imprisonment. You were faithful throughout my ministry, my defense, and my confirmation of the gospel Why? Because God was faithful to them. God who began the good work will carry it to completion. And so it's it's building up fruit in their lives. Fruit of faithfulness. And last, fruit of affection. Look at verse 8. He says, for God is my witness, how I yearn for you all, for y'all, with the affection of Christ Jesus. For God is my witness, how I yearn for you all how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. Love is scary. Affection can be scary. Why? Because it means we have to risk being vulnerable. It means we have to risk getting hurt again. It means we have to risk being rejected again. Love is scary, right? It is. And yet, God's faithfulness to us allows us to risk loving others. Because you know what? It doesn't, my love for you doesn't depend on being reciprocated. My love for you doesn't mean that you're going to love me back. My affection for you doesn't mean that I'm going to get that I'm going to get anything from you, right? And I don't have to. Why? I don't have to because God loves me completely, fully. I have everything I need in him and I and I, I don't even have to be loved back. I can love. That is what God's grace does in our life, lives. It creates affection. Affection for one another even when we don't get it back. 
Why? Because we know that God has, will always finish what he started. We know that he will be faithful to the end. All the way to the day of Christ Jesus. All the, day, all the way to the day when it really matters. When it really counts. I want to encourage you, don't look for something in a relationship that only God can give. Don't look for something in any relationship, romantic or children or neighbor or any a church. Don't look for something in a relationship that only God can give because you know why? You're going to end up being disappointed. <laughs> You're going to end up being frustrated. And God doesn't want you to be frustrated. He wants you to be holy. And the only way we can be holy is by just enjoying Him, enjoying His love, enjoying His commitment to it. You know what worship is supposed to be? Worship is supposed to be affection for God. That's what we're doing here when we gather together to sing praise to God. We're, we're actually supposed to be expressing our affection to God. And we do it together because we're all been loved by God. We've all received His love and we want to give it back to Him. We can love one another because Christ first loves us. We can cultivate love in our family, in our neighborhood, in our marriage, in our relationship with our children, relationship with our roommate. We can cultivate love in the church. We can enjoy one another. We can, we can enjoy this life together. This, we can develop affection. You've you got to see it in God's Word where, where the Apostle Paul is in prison, y'all. He's in prison. He's facing death. And he says, God is my witness how I yearn for you with the affection of Christ Jesus. He loves these people. God wants that for you. God wants that for you, especially where it's hard. You think it was easy for Paul to love the Philippian church? No, it wasn't easy. It wasn't easy for them to love him either. They had to send Epaphroditus, but that's, a, that's for another sermon. God has a bucket list, and he will finish his bucket list. God is faithful. He will finish what he started so that we can live in confidence, we can live in faithfulness, and we can live in affection uh, for one another. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. Lord, thank you for uh, the, the clarity, Lord, of, of your faithfulness. Thank you for your grace that we are partakers together of your grace that none of us have it on our own together, but we're all dependent on you. Lord, thank you that you have made us righteous in justification. You are more and more molding us after the image of Christ in our sanctification, and you are one day going to f finish what you started by glorifying us, giving us perfect enjoyment of you forever. Lord, we love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.